Hello and welcome back to the Littlest Petcast. I'm your host, James, and today we are looking at the episode Blythe's Big Idea. So Blythe and the pets are washing her scooter in the alley. Uh, she thanks everyone for helping, and Russell remarks on how much she likes this scooter. Uh, Penny and Minka agree that the scooter looks great. And then Zoe goes vroom vroom and says that the pretend motor noises are working just fine. <laughs> Blythe says thanks. So, meanwhile, Vinny and Sunil are just relaxing in the soapy water and comment on how this is the life. Vinny then burps, and a bubble comes out, but when it pops, it still smells like one of his, due to the stink lines, I guess. The burp lines? I don't know. Either way, Blythe laughs at it, and I still say that that's part of his super burp power. Because, like, I don't know, you would imagine it would smell like soap, but it still smells like Vinny. So, it is then that Jasper, Young Me, and Sue walk up and Jasper says, hey girl! Blythe says it sounds weird coming from him. And Jasper's like, it does? Aw, oh, snap! <laughs> and it does sound weird, but it's, it's, it's kind of delightful. Anyway, uh, they say they're going to the mall to grab lunch and want to invite her, but Blythe sees something on the back of the magazine that Young Me has. She gets really excited for it because it turns out that an international pet fashion festival is coming to downtown city later this year. Blythe explains to them that this is the biggest pet fashion expo in the world. And Jasper remarks that it's probably the only one. But Blythe hits him with the magazine and says, ha ha. Anyway, Blythe says that she would want to present at the expo because it could make her as a pet fashion designer. Sue thinks that this might be too much too fast and reads that to get in you have to have your own shop. Young Me asks if she's ready to do it, and Blythe says, I'd have to expand my line and open a shop of my own, but I think I'm ready for it. In fact, I know I am. Now, I admire her spirit in all of this, but she is 13, and opening a store of your own is quite hard when you're 13. But not impossible, as we will later find out. So she says she needs to start planning this and says that she'll meet them later. So, meanwhile, the pets are concerned that she'll leave again, like when she went to fashion camp, but Blythe reassures them that they're her inspiration, so she's not going anywhere which the pets are excited for so in the shop Blythe and the pets are brainstorming on how Blythe can have a shop of her own Penny and Zoe suggest selling stuff on the street and claiming that that's a shop 
but Blythe says that she doesn't think that'll count. That's like that's like being a citizen of the world in a sense. You still you still need a building to operate out of or something as we'll soon find out. So the key problem that they're looking at is Blythe does not have a lot of money because she's 13 and takes frequent breaks from the job she has that was given to her on goodwill. So Sunil then uses magic to conjure up a small shop for Blythe, which it works, but it looks like like a playhouse version of the building they're currently in. And it it works though. It work like Sunil Sunil makes something out of thin air. What why is everyone treating it like this is nothing? Sunil has actual magic. Sunil has actual magic. And come on. You you can't you can't say that's not impressive. That you just you just can't. I mean, okay, these these are the pets that uh say teleportation is a hard sell. So, I'm not too surprised, but but come on. Come on, the actual magic or it might be mutant magic, but it, it's magic. It, it's like Scarlet Witch has mutant magic. At least uh, pre-MCU. Now that it is MCU influenced. Although the Fox buyout might change that due to, you know, the Fox buyout. It's... This whole situation is nuts. Either way... Back to the episode. Penny Ling suggests a shop made out of bamboo because it's inexpensive and she can put it on wheels in case a horde of hungry pandas wants to eat the shop. Blythe says that that's not a bad idea, but it's not practical. And then Vinny says he has it. And then says to find some land that no one has and build the shop on that. Not out of bamboo, but stay with me. Out of old cardboard boxes and discarded truck tires and tinfoil and chewing gum. That's how you do it. But as soon as he's done... Everyone just gives him a weird look. But then Blythe says, You may be onto something, and Vinny gets excited for a minute, but Blythe finishes and says, Penny Ling. And then Vinny is disappointed. Blythe explains that some people sell stuff out of a kiosk, which is basically a little shop on wheels. So, uh, if she can convince Mrs. Twombly to 
give her some more space in the pet shop. She could have a kiosk in the pet shop. But now, Blythe needs to find the one that doesn't cost a lot because she doesn't have a lot. Zoe suggests that uh, since she finds a lot of great clothes at secondhand shops, she could find a good kiosk at one as well. So Blythe thinks that's a good idea, and then Roger rushes in to tell Blythe some good news. He does a dance, which Blythe refers to as his happy dance. And uh, by that, Blythe deduces that it must be really good news. Roger explains that he was in a meeting at work where they were discussing how to improve sales at the airline. Right, yeah. Like, just writing this down just made me realize how confusing I find airlines, I guess, in, in a business sense. Because, like, like you, would, you would think that, like, air, airplanes would be owned and operated by airports. That makes sense. But, no, they're, they're, they're owned and operated by private companies and... It does. Um, it does. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me. Cause like, 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 what? Why? Cause like, I mean, I get like some airplanes are too big to fly at smaller airports, but like, like, but but it it just it just doesn't make sense that that businesses, airplane businesses, and airports are also different businesses. It just like. Like they 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 need each other. They need to work in conjunction with one another. It's it just doesn't it doesn't make sense why like airports and airplanes are owned and operated by different people. Cause like like it it just like it, you 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 can't have you can't have one with without the other. Well, you can, but they'd be very private airplanes. But like, 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 like this, this doesn't, ah, uh, this doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I, I stuttered a lot, but like, like, yeah, this, this just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I mean, okay, it makes sense. Like, I understand the reasoning of it. I understand the logic of it. I just think it could be better if it were more, you know, together, unionized, if you will, instead of like, like one air, like different airports having to deal with like different companies. It seems like a whole big mess of things. And especially, like, in a day and age where, like, like, international uh, business and international, like, vacationing and stuff is more prominent than it ever has been, it would, it would make more sense that like you know 
like the the airports and airplanes would just be operated by like one body to make sure everything goes smoothly right now now that i'm off that soapbox let, let's go let's go back to reality where that isn't the case and just just go with it Okay, so Roger was in a meeting where they were discussing how to improve sales at the airline. Roger says he was focused, as always, but in reality, he's just looking at pictures on his phone of cool places he's been (laughs) because he's a pilot. Like, the pyramids or in, in, like, a zoo or something. And it's amazing but then he comes across a photo uh, of Blythe and the pets, and then he immediately thinks of an idea that could save his plane company. Because, like, when we see the meeting, his boss has like a graph that has sales starting at like maybe all uh, maybe the middle, but it looked lower than the middle, and then it just went down. So. Roger, Roger's idea has to really inflate these numbers, and apparently, uh, we'll get to it in a bit. Uh, he says that since Littlest Pet Shop does a good job catering to pets and their owners, why not do the same with planes? So he suggests it. And his bosses absolutely love it. And Roger gets put in charge of the project. And it is called The Pet Jet. And it's it's amazing that, like, that idea could save the airline. It, the, the airline wouldn't need saving if it was, like, like if it was just one big unit. Okay, if it, if it was just just a unit that like the only thing that they care about is making sure everyone and everything gets to where it needs to go. I mean, sure, you have X factors like weather and, you know, other planes and stuff, but like... It would just be easier to, like, coordinate everything when you have it all centralized. Okay. I am off this soapbox. I might get back on it. I don't know. This is the nature of the podcast. I, I just attach myself to to the dumbest of ideas. And I don't let go. At least I don't let go in in a way that is timely. Anyway, Roger decides to celebrate practically saving his company with milk and cookies. And Blythe says that that's a snack for little kids. And big kids too. And then she rushes upstairs to grab some milk and cookies. So the pets are enamored by a plane just for pets 
And then, and then we just go into a song. It, it, it seems very musical inspired. And it's about the airplane run by the animals or the pets. And it's, again, imagined. So, Russell and Penny are the pilots, and Minka and Pepper are the attendants. And the plane is filled with the regulars, and a bunch of pets we know, and have seen in previous episodes, and a bunch that we have not seen before. And because we're talking about animals on a plane, they they do make a snakes on a plane joke. Like Sunil asks, "Are there snakes on a on this plane?" But then Minka says, "Sorry, sir, but we're not that insane." But then later we see a snake pop out of the toilet, so a snake is in fact on this Monday Friday plane. So. It's, 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 it's dumber than it initially was. And, uh, they also say you can get out anywhere. And they have Wiggles put on a parachute and just jump out, which doesn't seem practical. They they also have a cloud parting machine in this thing. Which, I mean, would be amazing if it were true. But, I mean, I guess this is imagination. We can do whatever with it that we want. You know, I'm going to get to that in a in a little bit. But, you know, just, just for now, let's leave it at that. So, the the strangest thing... In this whole song, at least to me. Well, maybe not the strangest, but... The most... Culturally insensitive thing about this song. Maybe not about this episode. Yep, you heard that right. (laughs) Is that... uh, Sunil asks if they're gonna go to Old Bombay. But... The name of the city is Mumbai now. Like, it was Bombay for a long time. And I can see, like, some of the older generation being, like... It's Bombay because that's how I know it. And then I can imagine some... Terrible people being like, it's Bombay because we said it's Bombay. Those those are the Brexit people, probably. Anyway, but like, I don't think Sunil really falls under either category. I mean, to be fair, we don't know how old the pets are or how they necessarily age. But like... Like, it's... It's weird. Because I I think 
Sunil, like, they, they say Sunil is from India, and he he probably would say Mumbai, but I guess, like, to fit the musical atmosphere, you say Bombay? Because, like, when this style of musical was coming out, it was still called Bombay? And, like, that's not much of a problem, except when, when this episode aired, it had not been officially called Bombay for, like, uh, 19 years. So, yeah... Yeah. And then it's immediately followed up with the not as culturally insensitive, but still kind of culturally insensitive, uh, Moose wanting to go to Moose Jaw? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, uh, specifically, they say... I'm going to Moostra, is that on the way, after Sunil asks to go to Bombay? So, it seems like the plane feels more like a taxi than it does a plane? Which, uh, that, that doesn't make sense. I mean, I guess, again, it's imagination, you can do whatever you want, but like, 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 in reality, a plane has to have certain destinations it goes to it, it's it's like a train it, it needs to stop at certain places whereas like a taxi can just stop and go anywhere so whatever overall this is a very very weird song or at least a very weird sequence the song is like it's it's pretty good it's like a it's like, yeah, it is very musical-y. And, you know, it's, it's enjoying it. And it's, it's good. But, like, what, what happens in it is insane, despite how not insane they say they are. Anyway. Blythe and Roger are enjoying milk and cookies... And Blythe says that no matter how old she gets, she'll still enjoy milk and cookies. And Roger says, me too. And he's the living embodiment of this because he's just gone hog wild on those cookies and milk. So Blythe then asks Roger about the pet fashion expo. And Roger asks, what's that? So then Blythe goes on a long-winded but fast rant about what it is and explaining what she needs for it and saying she'll cover it. And the last thing she says is that she promises her grades will not go down. And then Roger's like, uh... And then Blythe takes that as a yes and thanks him. And Roger says, you're welcome? So, back in the shop, 
Russell and Penny are driving a steering wheel and handlebar, respectively, and then it cuts back to the imagination, which is how it should be. It's how it should be. We're we're here. We're here now. Let's let's unpack this. Like like th- this is how you do imagination. It's it's this where like anything in theory could happen and you believe it's real the entire time and you play on the real stuff you have to make a fictional world in your mind like it like two episodes ago day at the museum like that's just that's weird like that's like i guess to bring up scarlet witch again that's sort of house of m where she just created a reality and it's a fake reality although it might be a real reality i mean i haven't actually read house of m i just i just know the premise but like is that Scarlet Witch is so distraught and then she just creates a world where everything goes well for mutants and and that that's House of M that's the premise at least and it, it feels like that but like when you when you cre- when you have the power to create a world it's 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 world ruining and like Scarlet Witch is world ruining. She she has immense power, but like like I I I don't want to see apocalypse level stuff in this innocent show for children. This mostly innocent show for children. And, like, this episode does it right. This episode takes, like, the Calvin and Hobbes approach where whenever Calvin's uh, imagining something, he just just gets lost in it himself. Like, whenever he's Spaceman Spiff, uh, he just just sees them as as aliens and not as his parents or as Susie. It's, it's, It's like that. And, uh... You know, it it works. It's it's delightful. It might not it might not be as iconic as Calvin and Hobbes or as good as Calvin and Hobbes, but but it works. And you know what? That's a that's a step up from you know day at the museum. So from one rant to the beginnings of another uh russell and penny ling being the pilot and co-pilot russell is the captain and penny is the co-pilot are talking about how the flight is going well and russell says that everything's going off without a hitch and then he says that means perfectly in regular speak so either i'm reading this situation completely wrong or russell just mansplained without a hitch
like uh, th this is one of the reasons I say Russell is not a good person probably I don't know like like he he really thinks he's all that and a bag of chips and it's like he he think he has a very massive ego because he's very smart but he's just so full of himself and he's also kind of like more full of himself in ways that he shouldn't be like it's just it's just it's just weird and it's uh i i mean i i have more on this later but like russell really just thinks too much of himself and too little of other people at at cer at certain times if not all the time probably not all the time but russell is kind of a jerk I mean, if that's the point of his character, then, you know, good job. But I, I don't know if that's the point of his character because this isn't, uh, you know. Th this is supposed to be something where things are clearly defined because it's, it's kind of a kid's show, I guess. Although I guess kid's show's don't need to have clearly defined things but th this seems like it's aimed at a, an audience where they only really understand clearly defined things so a not clearly defined Russell where like he's kind of terrible but not as terrible as other people but still really kind of not great it's like the the nuance might be lost on the target audience <laughs> uh so back to the episode a red light starts beeping and they don't know what it is russell says there's so much stuff on the dashboard i can't tell if it means the landing gear is frozen or the food in the microwave is done. Just, like, you're the captain, Russell. You're the captain. You really should know what your things do on a plane if you're the captain. But I guess to get tension in this situation, you don't need to. So, whatever. So, meanwhile, Zoe's no longer part of this imagined scenario and is instead riding with Blythe to find a kiosk and then asks if they find clothes for Zoe, can they get them? Blythe says sure, and young me also comes along. And uh, they start going around uh, to different second-hand shops. And the first two they find... Um, they just buy clothes instead and don't find a kiosk. But the third that they go to, at least in the sequence, uh, 
appears to be all about kiosks, but when they enter, uh, they see it's a bunch of strange kiosks that look more like things you might see on an extravagant mini-golf course than you would as a kiosk. And uh, Blythe walks out dejected. So, back in the fantasy, they call Pepper in and tell her that the beeping that she is seeing and hearing is from an unknown source. And they tell her to keep everyone distracted until we can figure it out. Pepper says she's on it, and it hard cuts to her performing as a one-man band in clown getup. And then she asks, is everyone feeling distracted? Which is is also delightful. I Like, a, a lot of the dialogue in this episode is delightful. And uh, Vinny and Sunil deduce that uh, whenever the attendant goes to extravagant lengths to distract passengers, it can only mean something bad. And they start freaking out. Okay, I guess I should say this. I I say freaking out a lot. I I write it a lot, but like like it happens a lot. And honestly, freaking out has a nice ring to it and I like it. I know I should vary it up, but like I don't know. Free, freaking out is like the first thing I think of. So what what whatever. So then, back to Blythe. Blythe is still upset about not finding a kiosk. A suitable kiosk, anyway. Meanwhile, Zoe goes on a search because she smells something. Young Me tells her that they've probably hit every thrift store in downtown city. Which seems like a lie, and is a lie, because Zoe barks to indicate something. That something is the one last chance thrift store. Even without that though, this is a city of two million people. There has to be more than four, count them, four thrift stores. Like, I don't know. My my city has like two goodwills and there's more like thrift stores that aren't goodwills. And like my city is nowhere near 1 million, let alone 2 million. So I I guess it's compact. But there is a lot in this, like, compact area. As we'll see later. Man, there's there's a lot to go off of. Anyway, so in the window of the One Last Chance Thrift Store, they spot a kiosk and are giddy about it. They walk in and take a look at it. Youngmi isn't very sure because it's a fixer-upper, but Blythe says it's perfect. 
however, Blythe sees the price tag and says it's too much because it's $250. And, yeah, I can see that being a lot for a 13-year-old who who doesn't have a job that she got hired based on merit off of. I can see why that's a bit much. So then the owner comes up and asks if he can help. Blythe asks if he can lower the price, and the owner says that that's roughly what I paid for it. And Blythe says thanks anyway and walks out, saddened. But the owner follows her, saying he accepts trades. Blythe says she doesn't have anything worth that much, but the owner says her scooter's worth it. Young Me is concerned about what Roger will think, and Blythe thinks it'll be fine. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But she decides to do it anyway, and because she doesn't have a scooter, she and Young Me have to push the kiosk all the way back across town. I mean, there's a lot of area, I guess, if you're walking, but I don't know how big it is I don't know like I think the biggest city I've been to is Chicago and that is a pretty big city like I I don't think I could walk across Chicago leisurely I mean I can walk across my town in like about an hour that's like from one major area to another and, you know, it it takes a lot of time to get to more specific places by foot, but I could do it if I had the time and the energy and the phone battery. But, like, in a, in a city that's sort of New York, where it's compact as it is and used to be part of New York but broke off, which makes it even more compact... Across town shouldn't seem like a lot, but it is, I guess. I don't know how big area-wise New York is. So I guess I guess it could, and I guess it is tiring when you have to push a kiosk over it. But... With that said... Back to the episode, I guess. Youngmi comments on Blythe's determination. And Blythe says that she'll buy a new scooter once her kiosk takes off. But Blythe is worried about breaking the news to Roger. So they continue and wander into Chinatown. And, you know, it's Chinatown. It's, it's mostly fine. It looks like Chinatown. There are a lot of Chinese people. And and they don't speak, so they don't have to get a white person to voice Chinese people. But... But... For no apparent reason, there's just a group of people dressed up as a Chinese dragon walking around. That, like... Like, like a, chi- a Chinese dragon 
that that is used for like like special occasions it's not like you don't you don't you don't see that you do not see that just wherever like the the, the best case scenario for this is that they're going to a play in costume where where they do that but like it it's still it's still not great it's not it's not good this is this is not good unless it is the thing i just said but like i don't think it's the thing i said i mean they don't explain it at all it's just it's mm. Mm. It's weird. It's weird and it's not great. Speaking of not great, something not great for this podcast is just we go back and forth in small bits for a little bit. So we go to Penny waking up Russell because he fainted again. Like, Russell, you're the captain. And you just... You just confidently said... Like... I I know what... Without a hitch means... In a way that implies you don't think Pennyling... Knows... What that means. And yet, you're just... Fainting... At the wheel... Because you're overly stressed about this. Like, it's it's fine to be overly stressed and faint. But, like, you, you're, you're, you're trying to project this image of... I'm the best. And you're not the best. And you not acknowledging it. While looking down on others is a problem it's a problem russell so then meanwhile uh blaith and young me are tired and young me is hungry and they spot a pizza stand so they get it to go and blaith grabs the slices and young me pays for it so then russell and penny smell something awful and worry about what it is but then uh, Pepper walks in and apologizes for the smell. And then Blythe and Young Me wander onto a construction site. And when I say onto, I mean very much onto. Like, how how did they even do this? It's like... Like, okay, for the record, this isn't walking next to the construction site they are on the site because like the 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 machine operating a crane almost runs them over and then when it goes to set down the steel bars that are on the crane it's right above them that person should be fired and maybe prosecuted because like he almost killed two 13-year-olds and a dog 
twice in a matter of seconds. But they get out of the way only to hit a steep incline in the street and they go down it and roll around at the speed of sound, essentially. That's basically what this is. So, then, then, you see Russell freaking out, and Penny Ling asks, what is your problem? Russell explains that they're about to land, and the light could mean that the wheels aren't locked, and if the wheels aren't locked, the plane will bounce like a trampoline, and whenever I'm on a trampoline, I wear a helmet, elbow pads and wrist guards and I didn't bring my helmet or elbow pads and I certainly didn't bring my wrist guards. So Russell uh, curls up into a ball and Penny Ling, not taking any of it anymore, uh, decides to take charge. She gets on the intercom and says that they're landing and it could get bumpy. So Vinny and Sunil freak out about it a bit, but then Penny Ling reminds them that as they're descending, they should put their seatbelts on. They do, and then continue their previous freak out. So, Penny Ling goes in for the landing. It's tense, but it is smooth. And they land, and they're safe. Russell uncurls and asks if we made it. And then the light stops flashing. And the microwave door on the dashboard, on the dashboard, mind you, opens. So, when I first saw this episode, I didn't notice that that's where the microwave was. But watching it again, it's very obvious that that's where the microwave is. And... Like, the red light is right next to it. And you can tell that it's just the microwave. And Russell says, hey, it was the microwave. And Penny Ling is rightfully furious with him. Because he was like, oh, we're good pilots. I'm a great captain. I can explain things to people. But, oh, I don't know what this is. And now I'm too busy freaking out instead of being the brave person that I say I am. <laughs> uh, like, like, uh, Russell, Russell, you're just, you're not a good, you're not, you're not a great person, Russell. You, you could be... All right, I guess. I mean, you're nowhere near as bad as other people. But like, you're you're a, you're essentially the Scott Pilgrim of this universe. You're you're kind of bad. You constantly make bad decisions, and you think you get things the easy way. And want to quit out whenever it gets too hard. Mostly. It's just... Uh, 
like, yeah, if, if you didn't know, Scott Pilgrim isn't great either. But again, he is better than some people. And I guess that kind of character is what they're going for with Russell. Maybe, or maybe not. They could just see Russell as like a plucky hero and not as this complicated person or hedgehog that is like sort of good, but not really good. He's, he is very much like, like so, so full of himself, you know? So, uh, in order to try to make up for this, this whole thing that's probably his fault, uh, he offers Penny Ling popcorn. But, like, Penny Ling is not having any of it. Uh, like, like, they didn't, they didn't show what happens immediately afterward, but I would not be surprised if, like, Penny Ling just uppercuts him. <laughs> and he just lands on the ceiling, quills first. So... We cut back to Blythe and Young Me, and they are still pushing the cart or the kiosk, but it is taking its toll. And then a wheel breaks off, and they have to stop. But they realize they're in the belly of the beast, as they see they're in front of the largest ever pet shop. So. Blythe freaks out and calls Mrs. Twombly and asks her to pick them up and explains the whole situation. So Blythe wishes the biscuits to not appear, but they appear because they're the biscuits and that's one of their mutant powers is that they can just, like, appear. So the biscuits... uh, begin to try and insult her, but then they get hung up on not knowing what a kiosk is. Like, they look at it, and they're like, what is that? So Blythe tells them that it's a kiosk, and says that she's using it for the upcoming pet fashion expo. And then, uh... The Biscuits say... Wait till you see what we have for this expo. Yeah, we'll see you there. But Blythe says, actually, you'll see me tomorrow at school. Because the expo is still a few months off. They say they knew that. We were just trying to mess with your head. But Blythe says that their head messing skills need work. Yeah, okay, I guess, I guess as as another point of me being confused about how dense or spacious this area is, why do the Biscuits and Blythe go to the same school? I just realized that as I was saying it, but... 
Like, it's very peculiar that they go to the same school. I mean, I guess it's compact, but like, still kind of spacious. I don't know. I don't know. I, I need a map. What I need is a map of downtown city. Okay. That being said, back to the episode. Mrs. Twombly comes barreling down in the parking lot. Uh, does a 180 and then uh, fixes the wheel on the kiosk, attaches the kiosk, and calls everyone into the van in about less than a minute. When everyone's in, Mrs. Trombley leaves and shouts at the twins, See you in the funny papers! Which is just very, very delightful. Because it's, it's very Twombly. See, this is what I mean. Twombly's style works for her. And this is amazing. Because, like, they don't know what that means, but they know they should be insulted. And... It is a very, very Twombly moment, and I like that. So, in the alley, the kiosk is ready for fixing. And Blythe says, yeah, it doesn't look good, but we gotta fix it. So then, we cut to a montage of them fixing up the kiosk, which includes, like, some small moments of, like, just actual work. And, like, the bigger scenes of like Russell becoming a buzzsaw to cut up wood and I mean using his like hedgehog powers to be like Sonic the Hedgehog to cut wood and then Sunil turning on a hose that Russell is carrying so Russell just like flies everywhere and Minka trying to paint in her style but uh, getting uh, Zoe and I think Penny in the crossfire and you know just the whole montage is just you know stuff like that and just regular stuff but then the kiosk gets done and Blaith shows it to Roger Roger is impressed but wonders where she got the money and Blythe is freaking out because she doesn't know how to tell her dad she sold her scooter to pay for this. But, uh, Roger just blows off Blythe's, uh, nervous explanation. And then invites Blythe and the pets to come check out the actual pet jet on her scooter. Blythe, still nervous, asks for a ride instead. Citing distance as the reason why. And Roger agrees, and they go. So they get to the airport, and they see the pet jet. And Blythe says it looks great. And, you know, it it just looks like an airplane with a bunch of, like, paw prints on it. But, I mean, I guess it says what it is on the tin, so you can't complain. So then, uh, Roger then shows the inside, and the pets are ecstatic because there's, like, a pet food chef. There's, like, uh, pet beds and, like, other pet amenities, I guess you can call them. Just, like, 
on on this plane and like seats for their owners. And so Russell and Penny check the cockpit area and see no flashing red lights, but they do see the same microwave that was in the fantasy. Now, I'm no pilot, but I don't I don't think that um that they actually have microwaves in the in the cockpit right with everything else like at least with every, like I can imagine maybe like something something on the side maybe but even that is kind of eh. but like on the thing where they need to pay attention to a bunch of other things no so that mini rant done uh roger gives blythe a gift for fixing up her kiosk so well she opens it up and it's a trailer hitch for her scooter blythe is upset and roger asks what's wrong and blythe tells roger that she had to sell her scooter to get the kiosk. But then, but then, Roger says, I know, follow me. We head back outside and we see Blythe's scooter. Roger says he saw it in the window of the secondhand shop and put two and two together and bought back Blythe's scooter. Yeah, no, that song from last time is apt. That is father of the year material. Like, no, that's... You You go, Roger. Ha- hashtag Roger for Dream Daddy 2. And 3. And, and forever. You're 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 a very good dad, Roger Baxter. And uh Blythe says she wanted to tell him sooner, but Roger says that it's okay and that he's actually impressed that she could work out a deal like this. She thanks him for buying it back and Roger says maybe next time talk to me about it first so I don't have to buy it back but you know he he would and but you know Blythe would call first and that's 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 what makes this relationship and this scene so good this is like one of my favorite scenes in the entire show and we're still not done with it because uh, once uh, Blythe gets back on her scooter and attaches the hitch, Roger says that if you're going to be a successful businesswoman, you need to have a reliable mode of transportation. I think I read that somewhere. And that, that, like Roger having full support for his daughter is great and this 
caps off this scene perfectly. This is the reason to watch this episode. This this is an amazing scene and I love it and I love Roger. Roger is the best character. Roger is the opposite of Russell. Roger actually does the things he says he's going to do. He ain't got a thing to prove to you. <laughs> He'll eat his candy with the pork and beans. Okay, I will I will stop. But but like Russell Russell says he'll do something, but then gets too scared to do it. Or doesn't want to, or whatever. No, no, Roger Roger is amazing. Ro ha hashtag Roger for real life. We need real life Roger and we need him to run for president. I, <clears throat> that's that's a bit too far. <laughs> but but I I don't I don't care. This scene is just so good. It's so good. So we end the episode off with like uh Blythe getting ready to take the pets back when a light on Blythe's scooter starts flashing and Blythe wonders what it is. Russell, Vinny, and Sunil freak out, but Pennyling gives the light a hit and says it's nothing. Good for you, Pennyling, taking charge. You should have done that from the beginning. But, you know, when when you're with someone like Russell who just takes charge even when he shouldn't, it it can be a bit of a weird power struggle, but like when you've seen Russell not be up to snuff, it's it's easier to take control because you you can take control. Good for you, Pennyling. So that about does it for this episode of the Littlest Pet Cast. Oh boy, this one this one has a lot of interesting things going for it. I will say, like, I really like this episode, despite a lot of the rants I went on. And I think one of the reasons that I like this episode as much as I do, in fact, I know the reason I like this episode as much as I do, is that scene at the end. And, like, I love it to death. It is just, it's so, it's so good. It's so heartwarming to see, like, Roger Baxter pull through as a dad and just be the best dad he can be. And, oh, that scene is so sweet. It's so sweet. I love it. But, like. This episode's also really entertaining. I mean, I do like the, like the fantasy, and I do like um, Blythe and Young Me's crosstown travels. It's it's a good episode with some questionable choices, obviously, but like that scene at the end is total payoff for it. So, yeah, like that's 
that's it. So yeah, that will be it for this episode of the Littlest Pet Cast. Be sure to leave your comments and reviews on Shout Engine, on Apple Podcasts, on the Google Play Store, and wherever else RSS feeds go when uh, they just bought their daughter's scooter and have to return it to them. And be sure to tune in next time for the episode Commercial Success. And we'll see you later.